cross it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, all five star final. Jay Sam Jones from Dirty South Soccer and other places. Jay Patrick. Joe Patrick, even from Dirty South Soccer and other places. <laughs> I used your Twitter handle because yeah. I don't know. Screw this. I didn't I'm, even notice Joe, until you corrected it. I'm, I'm J A, whatever your name is. I'm I'm done, man. I'm this season has just been a slog <laughs> through 500 yards of shit smelling foulness, and I'm I'm just done. I'm just done. I don't know. It's not great. It's not great. Um, when you when you messaged me or when we were messaging um, before to do the show, when we were arranging what time we were going to do it, I said to you, I said, I just want to do this as soon as possible so we can get it over with and then forget that it ever happened. That's what this feels like. It just feels like I just want to forget everything that happened. The last time I was this annoyed after a game where you said something very similar to let's just get this over with. Uh, was the Red Bulls game where the supporter shield was on the line and Atlanta seemed shocked that they pressed. Yeah. Right? Like in this case, it's a little different. I, th- I think it's just a collection of things kind of coming together to make this not fun yeah. or enjoyable. At, at least in that game, you felt like there was something they could have done differently that would have made it different. And here it just seems like this team is kind of lost right now. And I don't know exactly what they could have really done differently that would have changed anything, you know, because exactly. they're just they're just poor all the way, you know, kind of in in most facets of the game right now. Yeah, right now it's it's a very mediocre soccer team. Mm-hmm. It's a very mediocre soccer team, and one of the, one of the saving graces for at least this little middle part of the year is people kept kind of pointing to games in hand and stuff like that, and those are those are running out, y'all, and it doesn't look like this team is anything but like a mid-level playoff team at best right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, New York City is, is winning the the Hudson River Derby right now. They seem to clearly be the best team in the East. And then there's a few other just kind of, it's just a mess right now in the middle of the conference. You know, Lady United very well could not even host a playoff game this year. And judging by their road record, which right now is three wins and seven losses, uh, I don't feel great yeah. about that single elimination playoff game, not in Atlanta. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, right now. I honestly thought this team had turned a corner. Um, you know, after that, after the stretch in May going into that break, I thought that it was looking like a different team. I thought that, you know, they had put together some good defensive performances and then they were finally towards the end of that stretch, starting to score some goals or look at least look better scoring the goals. Um, it looked a little bit more fluid. I'm thinking back to like the Chicago game when the, you know, yeah. I think that was the one where Pitti and uh, uh, Franco kind of had had that combination play, and you started to see something. And then it's just been such a huge step back. And <laughs> it's funny. I remember uh, we I did a, a podcast with Doug Roberson and some of the other writers, and um, I forget when exactly that was. I think it was like just after the season MLS play had started back up, and uh, or maybe it was just before. Anyway, uh, at that point, I said Doug asked the question to all of us if uh, we thought or where we thought Atlanta would finish basically at the end of the season in the Eastern conference. And, 
and if they would finish first, essentially. And I thought at that point they would, but it's been a huge regression since then, which is worrying. And um, yeah, it's it's never good. It's not a good reflection at all on Frank DeBoer, the fact that so many players seem to be out of form. You know, it's not like uh, if there's one or two guys who are just kind of giving the ball, you know, having some having some rough patches of form, that's one thing. But it seems like right now, so many players are playing really bad. And I think that the reason because the reason that happens is because there's something systemically wrong. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's, it's systemic at this point. It feels like it really does. I mean, we can, like you said, if it, if it was one or two dudes struggling, okay. But mm-hmm. it seems to be the entire collective just really, really struggling right now to do somewhat simple things. Um, I, I had a person from Sounder at Heart message me during the middle of the game. He's like, I, I keep watching them get into the final third and I keep asking, what's the plan here? And I didn't have an answer for him. I don't know what the plan is here. I don't know what the idea is. And then, of course, you keep getting torched defensively as well. This was mostly a full-strength Sounders team. And we can continue to kind of say this was maybe not a full-strength Atlanta team, but it still shouldn't be that ridiculous because, y'all, this was not – I really want to iterate here that this was not a game where Atlanta – was unlucky or deserved a point or anything like that. If yeah. you look at the chances that were had, if we we looked at the XG already, we looked at all that, Atlanta absolutely should not have won that game, and they didn't. They just yeah, would have been undeserved otherwise. Should have been worse, to be honest. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Than it was. I tweeted at halftime. I just you know just felt you felt like you were lucky to be for it to be tied. You felt maybe you could have had a goal yourself, but you know for it to be nil nil, I think every every Atlanta United fan probably should should have felt like, you know, they were happy to have that at halftime. Uh, of course, that wasn't going to hold up. I will say a, cu- a couple things. One, kind of on, on the negative side here, again, is that, um, you know, considering what we've said about this being potentially uh, or likely a, a systemic issue, what worries me is that, you know, just with the way that the schedule is this year, there's just not time to really, like, drill this stuff on the training ground, like drill things that are wrong. You know, when we are there, um, the way this team functions, basically, um, and I I imagine most teams are probably in the same boat because so many teams are playing, you know, have these compressed schedules and are playing all these midweek games this year because of the way they've reformatted the playoffs and everything. You know, there's basically you have the game today and then tomorrow will be nothing. It'll be just, you know, everybody will be in the physio room or whatever. It'll just be, you know, you're just recovering. Um, that's Monday. And then Tuesday you have a video session, a long video session, and maybe some stuff out on the field where you just kind of loosen up. You just, you know, pass, you know, do a few passing drills. If that sometime like this week before the Seattle game, the starters from the, from the U S open cup game didn't even come out on the field. They just stayed on in the gym riding stationary bikes. So there's not like, they're not getting out on the field to actually be kind of you know, training something different, something new, something that could, you know, potentially turn them around and help them. So um, that's one thing that worries me is that I don't really, it's hard for me to say that I think that this is going to turn itself around anytime soon, because I just know that they don't have the the time to be out there to do that. Um, which is something that Tata Martino had and Tata uh, would honestly, he would train his players very hard. Um, Frank DeBoer seems much more, 
conscious of their physical state and trying to keep them, um, you know, physically uh, okay. Uh, I, I, you know, he, he's having to deal with a lot more injuries than Tata had to deal with last year. It seems like, especially with, in, with regards to some of the key players. So I understand it in, in, in that sense, but you know, I just don't see it turning around. Cause you know, you go into a video session, you talk about the dangers that the team presents and you know, you, you can talk about these things in theory, but then you're not really able to put them into practice until you actually step on the field, you know, for the game. So that's not good. <laughs> I will say on the positive side, I will say, uh, okay. So on the, uh, but on the other side of the coin to look at it a little more, po- more, little bit more positively, I think that what this team is going through right now would be similar to like Tata Martino's team last year, trying to play without Miguel Almiron, you know, like you're basically trying to play without your best player, not just like your best player in Ezekiel Barco, but he's a player that, you know, plays in the middle of the field and is involved with a lot of the the creativity and the things that, you know, the ways that you score goals and kind of um, he's one of those drivers of the team. That's, that's kind of like a, a phrase I've used this season because Miguel felt like he was driving that team forward so often last year. And I felt like Ezekiel Barco has been that guy this year and you just don't, you haven't had that guy. He's only started six games in the league. Well, that's that's the thing. crazy. Is he, is he, we have such a small sample size with that. Uh, it's it's nice to think that he would come in and instantly this team would be changed around, but I, I'm genuinely unsure. I'm yeah. genuinely unsure at this point. Yeah. It just feels so broken. I mean, I think he will. I think he will improve us offensively. But again, that was not to me. That wasn't really the problem today. I thought, like you know, I thought we were actually okay in the attack. Um, not great, agree, but yeah. still, you know, there were some things happening. Pitti was doing a lot. Basically, everything good. Uh, came through pity. I thought, you know, Gressel, man, he had so many opportunities to make things happen. <laughs> he just, it just seemed like and made that the was wrong where attacks went to die. Every time. Yeah. Oh, man. The one where he shot from that <laughs> terrible angle. That was... Joseph is like standing on on the spot, essentially, yeah. right? 12 yeah. yards out. And yeah. no one was within like five feet of him. It was amazing. And that's one of those ones when you look at the XG from this game, like, you know, you won't that won't be reflected uh you won't right. you won't you won't see the chances that were like there on the doorstep but they weren't taken um because the sh- a shot never came off from them so i just thought you know offensively the team was was okay was better than we've seen i think on the road in the last few games but um but yeah i mean the 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 defense and just the general control or lack of lack thereof that this team has over a game you know like midfield just seems wide open it just seems like there's so many gaps uh for the opposition to exploit gaps in the in the back line as well when things get stretched (sighs) i just it's just not it just doesn't seem cohesive doesn't seem and and that's the part that worries me the most is us without the ball i feel like when our players get healthy you know the talent i feel like just takes over or will take over that's at least what i'm feeling like will happen but without the ball it's more of a worry for me I'm less optimistic. Um, one of the things you kind of touched on was <laughs> shocking, right? One of the things that you kind of touched on was that they're running out of time to get better, right? This is yeah. This is 21 games into the season. Mm-hmm. You know, there are 13 games left, and it's condensed. Right? We're done in October. We're, there's a little bit of an All Star break. There's a couple of U.S. Open Cup games. That's kind of it. There's a Campionas Cup, whatever the hell that is, we have to do at some point that does not get less congested really at any point. And there's 
not that much season left to, to improve, right? Like yeah. normally you would hope you're peaking at playoff time, which I think last year's team really did. Last year's team really, really did. Um, especially yeah. in that sense that they learned how to play with practicality in mind right at the end of the year. And that transferred over really nicely um, yeah. to, to the playoffs. But they're running out of time, man. Yeah, I mean, and this stretch right now is going to be so big in determining where this team ends up in the, you know, is, is there a Man, chance we could not even make the playoffs? Like, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. Is it not but, that? I haven't I, checked the standings, but like, but, you know, they're the teams but, that we're about to play are the teams that are, that we will be competing right. with to try to, uh, to try to get into the playoffs or try to, you know, fight for playoff seating. So they're going to be very important, not just for our own point total, but, you know, any points that we lose in these games are going to go directly to a, you know, a rival that we're fighting with, um, especially the Eastern Conference teams, obviously. So yeah, I'm just worried just, because I just looked at our, our tweet that you put out asking for post-game questions, and it's very ratioed. Oh, it's super ratioed. People are upset. But I, I do want to say real quick, yet. real quick, yeah. real quick, um, just looking at the schedule here, it is not going to get any easier <laughs> for this team to figure things out at all. You get Houston coming in, and I fully expect Albert Elise to totally torch mm-hmm. torch that back line right now. Mm-hmm. Um, let's I'm gonna notice as well. Uh, then you have DC, who Atlanta has never beaten DC except for that one time where they did it on accident. Uh, LAFC in Los Angeles, that's that's an automatic loss. LAFC has one draw at home this year and eight wins. I believe they're they're pretty much impossible to beat over there at uh, the the. the Bank, or whatever it's called. Then you get Zlatan, and then Orlando, and then New ICFC, and then Portland, and Orlando, and then Philadelphia, who's maybe not as good as we thought, but still, um, it's not gonna. It's not great. Yeah. It's not great. There, there are a few teams I'm looking at right now that are below the line. There may be three games the rest of the year with teams that are below the line right now. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, thankfully, we kind of did well against the teams that were below the line that we play. We're playing in the first half of the season, which was that stretch. And I, yeah, I yeah. Think, I, I thought at the time that was overblown. I thought you know those things would kind of sort out, uh, but it turned out those were actually pretty bad teams. <laughs> I expected, I expected teams like sporting and stuff to kind of to come around a little bit, but uh, yeah. And that I think exactly happened. Right now, I'm feeling it's just a weird. It's a, it's it's interesting that Atlanta is kind of in this position. It's a position they haven't really kind of, you feel like they haven't really been in before. And then you also have this U S open cup semifinal, which that, I mean, to me, that feels like the biggest kind of opportunity for this team right now. Cause it just doesn't seem like, you know, because they're so close to, to winning something there. Uh, it just doesn't, they just seem pretty far away from um, in the, in the league from like catching up to the top uh, level of competition. Like you were saying with like LAFC is just kind of, impossible to beat like yeah. you said i and i feel like this thing is going to happen where like people are going to point to if they do in u.s open cup that this season was a success even if this team goes out in the first round of the playoffs and i would probably disagree with that um you know my feelings on the open cup and things like that but mm-hmm. gosh man it, it's so hard to have a belief in where this team is heading and where this thing is heading from top down, right? There, there are questions to be answered. There are questions to be answered. And I think a lot of the heart of it is, is whether or not the people we've brought in from both the managerial perspective and from the transfer perspective this year are, are the right choices for both the short and long term. I just mm-hmm. don't know. 
Yeah. Well, um, a couple things. One, when it comes to obviously people will be questioning Frank DeBoer and all, you know, with this run of games, the, the, you know, the DeBoer out stuff is going to come back up again. And I think it's now, I mean, now it is more reasonable to be saying, you know, to be having these opinions, I guess. Um, I am curious as to kind of how um, locked in Atlanta is with him as with regards to his contract. Um, You know, I think he's on a four year contract, I want to say. Yeah. So that's a long deal. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not like Atlanta United is like Manchester United or something who they can just like, you know, cut a manager and just pick a new guy and pay the old guy to, you know, we're not like Clemson or Alabama, you know, college football team who can just, you know, get the next guy in. (laughs) Um, how many minutes significant in? Significant loss. In? <laughs> Let's see, probably like twenty-five before the first college football reference. We did yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, obviously that's that's going to weigh into whether you know any decision made by the club. I mean, I don't think they're there yet, obviously, but um, no. But those they, questions they will start to creep up, that's and cool. I think that the longer this goes, now you know, now there's it's a more worthwhile question to be asking than it was after the second game of the season. Yeah. Um, scenario, they don't make the playoffs. I think he's absolutely gone, but um, yeah. that's good Lord. Could you, <laughs> that would be catastrophic uh, yeah. for a number of reasons. I, I, I can't imagine that, but uh, right. they, it'll they, be interesting. I, I, I can't really see them hosting right now. Not the way oh, things yeah. are going. Fourth, fourth, baby, fourth, fourth in the East. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention was, Parkhurst and Lorenowitz, both of those guys, we are seeing what I'm ter- what I'm coining as the mirrors decline, where they're both just kind of not players I'd like to see on the field anymore, except for maybe in like the last five minutes is like, a, you know, to like lock a, down a game if we ever have a lead at that point again. Um, Parkhurst just at, at left back. You know, I could have gotten on board with him. I felt like he was actually serviceable there earlier in the season. But, you know, the, as the games come, you know, they're coming thick and fast. That's obviously very difficult on the legs. And he just looks like he can't mark a winger. You know, like he can't run with them. And what that w- the real problem with that is that he has to then drop deeper. And then he when he drops deeper, he's he's becoming the deepest. He's, he's basically breaking all, you know, the uh, he's he's breaking the defensive line. Uh, you know, now he's becoming the deepest defender and he's leaving guys on side. We saw that today with uh, Harry ship was played through and created a great chance because Michael Parkhurst on the other side of the field was, you know, dropping off of his winger bec- in case the ball came that way and he would have room to time and space to deal with it. So when you talk, when you talk about a team like Houston coming in with Albert Elise on the right wing, um, you like, you can't play Parkhurst there. Like you can't select him yeah. because it's too much of a liability. So, I guess Lorenowitz is probably a little bit better. Before, I think we knew beforehand, though, that Parkhurst wasn't going to be a great fullback. True. Yeah, true. Oh, I, I I guess I just felt like earlier this season when we were using him there, like it seemed like the team had more possession and more control of games. And so he was able to kind of, you know, position himself a little bit better and be able to read the danger a little bit quicker um, from those positions. And now, like when we're trying to when we're retreating now um, deep in defense, it's just. It's it's not a good situation. We saw yeah. today he had like bear hug a guy just to stay with him. <laughs> Yikes, man! They're, so anyway, I, I, I worry about, about those guys. Ass. I think it, they just seem like they've kind of dropped off for me at least. I don't know if anybody else agrees with that, but I feel like both of them kind of, you know, when you get old, it's just 
you, you lose your legs at some point and it, it goes very quickly, which is what we saw with Tyro Mears. So should we get into the questions? Did yeah, you have anything we, else we, you wanted to discuss we, before we, we... can? We can I, I want to, I do actually, uh, okay. I want to talk about the midfield. Okay. Cause I don't know yeah. if anyone is actually good. <laughs> I, I, I know what Nagby is, um, but uh, Remedi is, is also there. <laughs> And I guess it was Julian dropping back today. I, I, I wasn't I wasn't quite paying attention to formation and everything while I was firing off hot tweets and everything like that. But did, did right. it end up being like a diamond with PD at a ten? Um, no, I didn't see it as a diamond. Really, I saw it as kind of you had two central midfielders in Remedi and Nagby, and then you had Gressel kind of playing above them a little bit, but still as a central midfielder. Um, Trying right. to, and you were kind of going through the break on him. See, and, and but this kind of points back to what we were saying earlier about the systemic issues. It's really weird to me that now, like Eric Rometty looks really bad, like over suddenly. Um, and he's usually such a typically consistent player. It's yeah. just odd to see him like that, and that's what makes me think it's not necessarily like him. But I mean, maybe part of it is. But I feel like part of it is probably that he's, you know, confused or is thinking about too many things or. Um, you, you, they they just seemed very isolated. Those t- both the central midfielders, <sighs> they just didn't seem like they had enough options around them. Um, and that's what worries me, honestly. Like especially Rometty. Like when you see him play poorly several games in a row, it makes me wonder why. You know, because we're just we haven't really seen that ever before, even earlier this year. So yeah, it's worrying. Yeah, do, do you worry at times that the skill set is just too unvaried? In in the center of, of the midfield, like we, it feels at times that Nagby and Remedi are are good at moving the ball along and everything like that, which is which is great, which is good and important. But it feels like everything else is there needs to be other pieces there to make up for what they lack, possibly at times defensively and positionally, and in that same kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean. To me, the biggest issue, like, we don't really, none of those guys, well, I, I mean, Nagby can carry the ball forward, but again, I feel like he's becoming more conservative in that respect. He's not really, it doesn't feel like he's dribbling past guys as much as maybe he has before well, in his yeah, career. They're getting torched if he moves right, up. Yeah, yeah, exa- yeah, true. And so, like, today, we were relying on Gressel to kind of be that guy, to carry the ball, basically, like a lot of what Miguel did last year, you know, like carrying it out from, near our own defensive third and then just like bringing it all the way into the attack. And that's just not his, that's not his strength. You know, that's not his, we shouldn't be relying on Gressel to do that, but there's really not that many other options. I thought that's why everyone was calling for Emerson Heinemann. Um, and I honestly, I didn't really even notice Heinemann that much when he came on. I was kind of doing more writing. I'm <laughs> the dirty secret of like covering games is you're never really paying as much as close attention in the second half, especially of games. Yeah. Uh, Cause you're kind of, trying to get things ready for the whistle. But anyway, um, yeah, they definitely, I, I agree with you that there seems to be some sort of like dynamism lacking there. And hopefully that's what Barco will bring back when he comes back. But uh, we'll see. Yep. Um, let's go ahead and get in the questions. There, there are a few that we've already kind of touched on, but someone brings up something interesting here. It's this cam at CJ cook 38 on Twitter. Uh, who asked if we should move back to, to three at the back with three center backs. Hmm. Um, it's an interesting thought, you know, you, yeah. you keep putting Parker back there at fullback. And of course it's obviously 
not really working. And, and at least at the beginning of the year, there was some semblance of, of defense happening, I guess, to a point. Uh, through the last five games or something like that, I can't remember the stat, but it's, it's almost three goals a game at this point over the last four or five games, and that's just unacceptable, right? Yeah. So you do kind of wonder if a three at the back would at least do something. Yeah. I'm curious about it. You know, I am I think my gut says it wouldn't really help that much, but, <laughs> Same, <yeah. laughs> but I'm curious to see it. My issue, I think my biggest issue with potentially like, you know, with a three, like a three, four, three, which is what we've seen earlier this season is just that what we were just talking about with Remedy and Nagby, it's just, there's not enough there. It's like, you need another player there. So maybe you do a three, five, two with like Remedy, Nagby and, Barco above them with then like Joseph and pity above them. Um, I don't know. Maybe you do something like that. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm open. <laughs> I'm open for new experiences. <laughs> this is kind of the thing. Like when is the point where we're just ready to, you know what? Let's just, let's just throw some shit at the wall and yeah. see what happens. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm there. I'm That's there. what I do. That's what I do in football manager. When you go on a bad run, you're just like, eh, let's uh-huh. just change. Let's just go to the backup tactic for this game and see if it works. Sometimes it works. Okay. There you go. What's up, Frank? So it's tested. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, Frank? Oh God. Um, yeah. I, I, I get the feeling that it wouldn't really maybe change that much. It's just everything's such a struggle right now for everybody. If, if no one's going to perform well individually, then nothing's going to work at all in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. And, a lot of that is because we're like we said it's, it's a lot of square pegs and round holes right now for a number of reasons i'm reading reasons. through i'm reading through the replies on this and it, it's a lot of people just kind of ranting so we don't have to kind of answer these specifically but they are bringing up some interesting talking points for me and one of them is you know one thing um that i've said earlier this season is that i always felt like right back uh, would be a bigger need for us to reinforce because you already have so many players who can potentially play left back for you, you know, based on certain situations, what kind of player you want there. Uh, now with Breck Shea going out and kind of seeing like me coming to a realization of what Parkhurst is and his limitations there in that role, especially athletically um, in a position where ath- uh, athleticism is probably like the most important trait uh, of any other position on the pitch. I do. Now I'm thinking left back is a, is kind of a need. Um, I'm not expecting anything from George Bellow this year. Mikey Ambrose is Mikey Ambrose. Yep. If Brexia is out, then you're relying on Michael Parkhurst and, you know, Pogba, two guys who have fitness slash athleticism issues. Yep. Um, so it's, I, I yeah, I, I'm now I'm on board. Like, I think left back is, uh, is important now. Not that it wasn't before, but I felt like right. the option before I felt like the options were doable, like suitable. You could get by, and now I'm feeling less that way. Who knows who who it might be? I think they said after the fact today that, that I think I saw Doug say something to the effect of that they're interested in adding left back, of course, which is like duh. Well, I, I think he said fullback. Fullback, okay. Yeah, Just so he didn't specify. Um, um yeah. Uh, I am Benitez curious who is um, uh, Guillermo Benitez is a Atlanta United two player, very athletic left back. 
whose defense just gave up eight goals in the last game. So maybe not. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Uh, I was going to make a comment about homegrown George Campbell, too. Who, uh, poor Jarrett Smith. I hope he's listening. Tweeted something to the effect of like time for George Campbell to shine, and then they gave up eight goals. <laughs> yeah, he's, if you want, you want to see weekend. what it's all about, tune into the Atlanta United two game. Yeah, I was I was at a wedding last night, as I Doctor. tend to be on weekends. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I saw I pulled up the Slack and I saw that score. Just whew, that's that's embarrassing. Yeah, there's not um, a whole lot positive from top to bottom going on in Atlanta United world right now. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what else to say. It, Why it's a even? Mediocre team. It may not be anything more than mediocre team. Yeah, there may be big changes coming. That's all I got. Why even live? That's. I think that's the, the ultimate question that we got. <sighs> I've answered this on the show too many times, <laughs> and I've written it out too many times in like DSS, like Twitter Q and As. Uh, but it's something to the effect of just be kind to each other, okay, guys? Just be kind, unless they're Seattle fans. Screw them. Jerks. <sighs> Who take us very seriously, by the way. Which Super I'm, seriously, I yeah. I kind of question their sanity that they take us somewhat seriously. Uh, but it also makes <laughs> I, me laugh. We, should, we just need to be more tongue-in-cheek, Joe. Yeah. Because we're obviously not kidding. Clearly, we need, like to ta- change the name of the pre- that we need to change the name of the pre-crap to something much more sarcastic <laughs> so that they get it. <laughs> Let's just make this really, really clear. Oh, man. Uh, I have... No, let's let's talk about this in the Slack. How about that? Yeah, let's get out of here before we get in trouble. Bye, y'all. See you.